That's awesome. Well, without further ado, why don't we welcome Jimmy up to preach so I can get off here. <laughs> Thanks, brother. <laughs> Thanks, brother. Well, hello. I'm really, really excited to be here. I, uh, Joe and I have, when Joe, you know, let me know about the invitation, kind of hemmed and hawed, and I was like, you know, February is a bit of a busy month for me over at work and over at the church, and I'm like, are we able to do this? And then he told me what it's on, and then he gave me a link to the church. And I looked up, looked up the church, and I liked what I saw. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Saw, I saw, you know, a group of people that are excited, uh, a group of people that are serious about God's word and about uh, God's spirit and living by his word and his spirit. And so I have, it is a great joy and honor uh, for Joe and I to be with you this afternoon. Well, as I said, my name is Jimmy Fowler. Uh, I've been married to my wife, Michelle, for about, oh, she's not here, good. 16, 17, it's something like that. We've got three kids, uh, Cohen, Elias, and Ariana. They go 10, 9, and 7. We are living the dream at my house. So actually, I want to thank you for inviting me because I'm not there. Because it just so happens that my nephew and niece are also at my house right now. And I'm like, Michelle, I'm so sorry. I must go preach God's word. Goodbye. And they're a wreck. But I'm glad to be here. So uh, just to kind of give you a bit of insight on, on what's going on in my life, I want to share some truth with you. I've been on a bit of a fitness journey, you know, as you, you might not be able to tell by looking at me, but I'm a little too skinny and I got to, I don't have to laugh that hard. What? I was like, you know, but uh, there's just been some changes that I've been trying to make in my life and uh, trying to take health very serious. And, you know, my, my wife's kind of going through this she really likes Jason, you know, Momoa phase, and unfortunately stuck with Jason Samoa. And so we're trying to, like, turn that ship around, trying to make Jimmy great again. But what I've been learning through this process is there's a lot of stuff I didn't know about health and fitness and just a lot of stuff, as you can tell. I didn't really quite understand. And so I'm learning about, like, macronutrients and micronutrients and, like, oils Something like that. There's good oil. Fish oil is good, I guess. And then there's like, like good fats and bad fats. And somehow chicharron is not a good fat. So I'm trying to like understand how, that, how it all works together. But what I was learning about myself was like, you know, I wasn't necessarily, you know, I wasn't starving myself. But what I was doing was I was putting into my system that which was not best for me. I was putting into my system some unhealthy foods and some unhealthy ingredients. And so I would feel full, and I would just keep going with that, but it was unhealthy things that I was putting into my body. And so learning to kind of reset my mind and say, what I put in is, is really important for my life and for my health. And this morning, what I, or this afternoon, what I want us to be looking at as we're looking through this theme of the sufficiency of Scripture is that what we put in to our faith, what we put into our, our Christian walk is just as important as what we put into our bodies. So how, what we study, what we look towards, what guides us is just as important and just as vital because oftentimes we starve ourselves unintentionally. We starve ourselves of a fulfilling Christian walk. And if I had uh, one thing I want us to get this morning, if I could summarize this sermon into kind of one little neat package, it would be this for you, that only God's word will sustain God's people. 
It is only God's word and God's word alone that will sustain God's people. We're going to be looking at this in three sections here. So if you're note takers, I see you guys are already looking down, but I'm going to give you the three headings that we're going to go through. First, we're going to be talking about starving your Christian walk. Starving your Christian walk. Secondly, we're going to be looking at strengthening your Christian walk. And finally, we're going to be looking at sustaining your Christian walk. And we've got a couple passages we're going to look at, but mainly we're going to be focusing on 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 to 17. So if you want to go ahead and pull to that now, 2 Timothy chapter 3, and I should probably turn there too. Ten to seventeen. For now, let me just read verse sixteen and seventeen. All scripture, so all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Please pray with me. Lord, I just I thank you for the opportunity to, to look at your word. I, I, I so, I love your word. I am always just so encouraged by your word. I'm challenged by your word. And, and it's always such an honor to be able to proclaim your word to your people. I ask, Lord, that you would be with us as we, as, uh, uh, as we look at your word. That your Holy Spirit will be working on our hearts and in our ears. That, Father, that, that by your grace and by your power that we would come away loving your word more trusting in your word more, looking to your word more. We ask this in your name. Amen. You made it back just in time before everyone looked up, but I'm going to catch you out that she just snuck in. <laughs> see, because I open my eyes just before I say amen, so I see it. <laughs> so only God's word will sustain God's people. And again, we're going to be looking at, at uh, starving your Christian walk. And so Pastor John kind of hit on something that, that uh, uh, is really relevant for my life. And he was talking about Roman Catholicism and, and some of the teachings of the Roman Catholic Church. And I was raised as a nominal Catholic uh, in my home. And so, you know, we would always kind of go to just kind of the big things. I'd do all the ceremonies, and I was the altar boy. And, and we'd have to kind of go through all these motions. And, and so we were instructed in, in, in the doctrine of the church, of the Roman Catholic Church. And I learned early on that was what, what was really kind of impressed into us was that you cannot go through this Christian walk alone. You cannot know what it is that God has for you without Mother Church. Without Mother Church, without the priests, without others to, to kind of guide you and to help you and to teach you, you cannot quite understand God's revelation. And that when you look at Scripture, you're unable to kind of figure it out because all the doctrines and such must be viewed through the lens of the teachings of the Roman Catholic Church. And so we'd sit there and I'd ask questions like, well, you know, we talk about uh, Mary, that, that she was without sin, but I don't see that in Scripture. How, where is that? Well, well, no, remember now, one of the popes was speaking ex cathedra, which means from the seat of Peter. 
And so when he speaks in the seat of Peter, he is infallible. He is without error. Anything that he says is now, as uh, even John was talking, Pastor John was talking about there, it is now scripture. This is now authoritative. This is now bound. And I was like, well, how is it that this Pope so-and-so and whoever this person was says this, and now I have to believe this? How is it that, that I'm supposed to take one of your teachings, one of something that you kind of came up with, one of your traditions, and somehow that usurps the, the, the uh, authority of Scripture? And even to the core of it, it made it sound like Scripture enough was not sufficient for the life of the believer. That Scripture itself must be with Mother Church and the doctrines of the church. And so I know I sit, I, every so often I sit back and I go, oh, how silly those Roman Catholics. How did I believe those things in my life? But functionally, I still at times do that today. And having been in youth ministry and working with youth and young adults, I've seen it in the life of youth and young adults as well. And I still see it in the life of, of seasoned saints today. We just might not look to the Roman Catholic Church and look at, quote-unquote, their silliness. But what do we allow to starve our Christian walk? What are those things that we allow to starve our faith or what we believe that we think to ourselves that Scripture itself is not sufficient? First, culture. A lot, oftentimes we look to culture to help define how it is we should live and what it is that we should believe in. When culture tells us, no, 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 same-sex marriage is totally fine. If you believe anything outside of that, you're a bigot. Or if they tell you, the culture says, how dare you believe that, that there is only, that Jesus is the only one to heaven, that it's only through him that your salvation can come. Or that you sit there and believe that Jesus is the only way, that he is the truth and the life. See, culture pushes back against the church and what we believe in. And unfortunately, sometimes we give into that. We see churches today gravitating in those directions, allowing culture and outside influences, allowing the world to dictate our faith and our walk. And when we do that, we, we're essentially starving our Christian walk because it is something that is not nutritious, it's not real, it's unhealthy. For some of us, it's we allow our friends. And ultimately, it's because I think, at least in my life, in my experience, it's because of fear, the fear of being rejected by others around me. That if I, say, if, I, if I say things that I believe in, or if I don't go with what my friends are doing and live the same way that they live, that they'll reject me, maybe they'll outcast me, maybe they won't want to hang out with me anymore. Maybe they'll look at me kind of weird because, let's face it, there are weird Christians out there and we don't want to look like them. I don't want to look like them. But we have this fear in us. Sometimes family. It's hard sometimes. I, I, I'm, I would say if I look at my family, that for Michelle and I, we are, we are the ones that, that truly love and believe in God. And so it's hard sometimes when we're, we're, I'm talking with family and they're asking me questions about what I believe and, and why Michelle and I act the way we do or or why do we take our kids through catechism? Or why do we take them out of public schools? Or why is it that we kind of live a certain lifestyle that we've chosen to live? And trying to explain to them, well, this is, for us, as we look to Scripture, 
As we look to God's ways, we want to, we want to be the ones that are, that are teaching our children. We want to be the ones that are, that are protecting them. We want to be the ones that are teaching them God's ways and not allowing others to influence them at this young age. And then the looks that we get, wondering, how is it, why do you have to look so different than everybody else? And I say, well, because Scripture says the world will reject us for those that follow after him. And fourth, sometimes it's just ourselves. We're the ones that we try to dictate the terms of, our, of what our faith should look like and what it is that we believe, kind of basing it off of what we want to believe and how we want to live. I mean, you think about it. I'm sure I'm not the only one that when my, my wife or any, or any authoritative figure tells me, you cannot do this, I think, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I remember once I went to uh, Catholic military school. I went to Marmy Military Academy in Aurora. And so there was military officials and Benedictine monks, and they would tell us, don't go to the monastery and steal cigarettes. I'm like, I'm going to do it. Let's just go. I don't want to find that wine. I know they've got it there somewhere. And so they tell you not to, and instinctively I tell myself, nah, don't tell me how I can live my life. Don't tell me what I can and can't do. So sometimes we're rebellious, but other times it's because we struggle with what the Word of God says because it's difficult and it's tough. Look at Jeremiah chapter 2 with me, verse 13. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. Talking about <clears throat> starving ourselves, right? Not getting the nutrients, not being filled. When we know that, that Jesus himself is, is living water, and we look at Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13, says this. For my people have committed two evils. First, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. And then second, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. I mean, look at this passage. It's such a, it's such a, to me, I look at this, such a beautifully written statement here. It almost feels like, it, it, you look at it, it's like, oh, we can kind of move on to, to verse 14. But I want to stay right here because I love this. And hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Just the stubbornness of God's people wanting to live their way by their own standard, by their own practice. God says, I have got cisterns for you. I am, I am living water. Take what I give you and hold this. What I give you is sufficient. What I give you will give you life. And yet, these people have rejected me and have hewed out cisterns for themselves. These practices, these beliefs, these ways, these other, these other cultures and friends and families that we allow to influence our Christian walk, which we allow to dictate the terms of what we believe in and how we practice our faith are nothing more than broken cisterns that can hold no water. They're useless. They're pointless. They're garbage. Just throw it away. And some of these things sound good. I'm not saying your, your parents are garbage. <laughs> Didn't say that. Don't go away and say, well, Fofo said, you got to go. <laughs> it's not what I said. Did not say that. Backtrack it. Didn't say that. But what I am saying is this. It is not sufficient. 
It is not sufficient. You have hewn out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. And that water is this fountain of living water. So why are these things dangerous? I mean, they sound like good things, right? I mean, we do enjoy things in this world. I enjoy things in this world. I do have friends that are non-believers that I, I quite enjoy being with and, and getting to know. I do love my family as much as they irritate me. Why are these things, and I do value thinking for myself, being a critical thinker, and not just taking everything hook, line, and sinker. So why then are they dangerous? Well, first, it's because when we look towards these things that we allow to starve us, we begin to rely on them. We We begin to depend on them. And when we begin to rely on them and depend on them, we begin to justify them. And you think, okay, what's the big deal about some of these things? Think of, think of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who had, uh, was around during Nazi Germany, and he was fiercely against this. But during the time, they were using scripture, propaganda, scripture, scriptural propaganda to try to go against the people of God, the Israelites. They were trying to justify the, atronish, the, the absolutely horrific acts They were trying to justify their actions and for why they had justification to murder all these people. And so when you begin to rely on what's not true and you begin to justify, you begin to justify that because then you start to defend it and say, no, it's okay. It's fine. Everyone else is believing in this. I'm not the only one. I look to justify myself and defend this this wrong belief because others around me are believing in it too, so it must be fine, right? I'm not the only one. And at that point, we refuse to let them go because we're snared by these beliefs. That's what happens. Once you start going down a wrong path, once you start allowing culture and friends and family, once you allow things outside of the word of God to influence your faith and your walk, it might be small at first, but over time, you see this big drift away. You know, I said, uh, my wife Michelle is from Canada, uh, Port Alberni, British Columbia. We'd always go over to Banfield, um, just these small fishing villages that we'd go to. And her, uh, her godfather ha- was a captain of a massive motor vessel, I guess. It's MV Uchuck 3. Very, it's a nice, great thing. But I remember being in the captain's thing with him, and, and he would just, he said, okay. Well, we got to get to that place over there. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to turn the wheel. Don't worry. I've got it, Fred. He goes, no, no, no. Just like this. Just a little bit. You don't need to jerk it. You don't need to swing it around. Just a little, just a little bit. It takes you off course just enough that you'll be able to slide in there. And by the time you get there, you're going to see the distance that you've traveled away from your original point or your, your original path. Much the same for us. It might just be a little thing, but that little thing, going unattended, not being corrected, begins to drift farther and farther away from the path of righteousness. Only God's word will sustain God's people. Secondly, strengthening your Christian walk. For me, I love 2 Timothy I, well, I just love Timothy, but, uh, and I love it because of 
just kind of everything about it. You've got this young pastor, this young man in his faith, and he's being encouraged by his mentor. And he's, he's like trying to remind him, encourage him, and, and keep going. And so 2 Timothy 3, 14 to 17 says this. But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I love that. I love how it starts here. But you, Timothy, continue. Continue on this path of righteousness that you're on. Continue doing that which you have, what he says here, which you have learned. You have learned from this uh, as a young pastor, but you learn this at a young age. We know that his grandmother and his mother really influenced his life and really raised him up in the faith. And from that, she, so he's saying, listen, you've heard this from your mother. You've heard this from your grandmother. You've believed it. You've learned it for yourself. Or you've learned it, and now you've believed in it. Don't stop. Don't stop believing. I know it, it got me there, too. It got me there in a moment. Don't waver. Don't get distracted. Don't allow yourself to veer off this path. And what is that? The sacred writings. Study the scriptures. Study the word of God because it is wisdom there for salvation. You know, for myself, growing up, didn't really read scripture a lot. I would just go to church and I would hear it a little bit and, and I would go and, and I would just went through everything nominally. And it wasn't until I actually was confronted with scripture that I began to delve deep into it. I began to delve deep and I was, and I was, I was in sophomore year in, in high school and I was failing chemistry so I brought my Bible in and so I was like, I oh, forget this, I'm just going to read this instead of the chemistry book. And I would just sit there, I'd be reading scripture and I, I was really reading it so I could take notes and go back to the youth pastor at the time that had been really challenging me and encouraging me just so I could like, I'm going to tell that man off. How dare he say, I don't know what, what faith is. How dare he say, I don't know who Jesus is. I was like, I'm going to show him I know Jesus. I'm going to read this. But as I'm reading it out, the Holy Spirit was just opening up my eyes and my heart. It was just this the renewing of my mind to where I was looking at it and I, and I, 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 I couldn't stop believing. I, I began to understand and to see how Scripture fit together and to see the errors of what I was believing and how I was living and that God had called me to so much more and that the Scripture was sufficient, that the Scripture itself is what I needed in my life that the Holy Spirit would use the scripture in my life to change me, to mold me, to conform me to his image. And so that's why it's so important for us to read scripture, to have our personal study. And it's not just this translation that's sitting there. I mean, Pastor John kind of talked about it there, how, how authoritative scripture is. All these manuscripts that we have, the similarities in them all, the closeness from the time that they were intent originally written. I mean, think about this. What do they say? The Gallic Wars was written where we learn about Julius Caesar, and that was 900 years later, and yet we look at that and say, oh, no, this is fine. This is true. We, could, we have no questions about this. But when we have this, this 
plethora of manuscripts. And we have this consistency in its writings. We know then that what it says here, all scripture is breathed out by God. Right? And I love that all, not some. You don't get to cherry pick what it is you believe to be inspired and what you think is not. You don't get to cherry pick what is relevant for you today and what you could just pass off to cultural irrelevance. It was for a time in that place, but not useful for, for the life of the believer now. Right? So even the difficult passages, even the difficult passages that are hard to understand about who God is and what he's done, who Jesus is and what he has done, even the passages when it talks about hell and salvation and about the wrath of God for those who do not believe in him. See, all scripture is breathed out by God. So I have to take, I have to take those passages that talk about the wrath of God that we are a sinful people, deserving of God's just wrath. We deserve his just wrath. But not only do I believe in that, I also believe what Scripture talks about, that my only hope is in Jesus Christ alone, in his life, death, and resurrection, that he himself had took the punishment that I deserve, that you deserve, and that he himself paved the way so that we could be declared righteous in the eyes of God, so that those who are far off from God, those who are enemies of God, are brought near for those who are enemies of God are now children of God, rejoicing the hope and salvation that we have now. And we now get to share that and proclaim that with those around us. So even the difficult passages, even the ones we don't like, and even the ones we don't understand. See, all of this is the word of God. And with that then, it is inerrant it has no errors we trust in this we believe in this and what god himself has inspired it's infallible and it's unchanging see that's the thing why do we go back to these other things that starve us that continually change the culture continually changes our friends sometimes change their minds our families change and you yourself as you grow, begin to mature, and you change your mind. So how is it that any of those things can be authoritative or sufficient for the life of the believer when we have Scripture here that is unchanging? It is the Word of God. And it's profitable for teaching. Teaching on who God is, the person and work of Jesus, the command of God, the love of God, the mercy of God, the promises of God. As we go through Scripture, we see this, this uh, creation, fall, redemption, glorification. There's so much there for us to learn and to gather. And this teach, even the passages you have heard repeatedly. You know, for some have grown up in the church, and, and sometimes you come to a passage, you go, I know that passage. I've heard that. I can move on from that. No. Those are the ones I, I want to dive in deeper, even when it's numbers. Even in numbers, I'm like, I guess I'll figure this out, Lord. By your spirit, my eyes will stay open and I won't fall asleep. But I'll fig we'll, we'll, get through we'll get through this together. But this word of God is there to help teach the believer. But it's also there for reproof. And that's the part we don't, we don't really like to hear about, do we? Because sometimes when, when we're living our way, believing our, what we want to believe in, 
And then right there, Scripture says no. No. That's wrong. That's out of bounds. That's not what I have called you to do or to believe in. And then we have correction in there. And then it's there to train us in righteousness because God's ways are the best. God's ways are good for us. He gives that which is great. So to what purpose? So that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Complete and equipped. And you know what I love about that is that that is the grace of God in the life of the believer. He doesn't just leave us to guess that which would please him. He doesn't just leave us to guess that in which we should live or that which is best for us. He gives us his word and lays it out for us. He doesn't leave us to guess, to, to guess the word of God is a gift to the people of God. You could trust his word. Trust in his word alone. And that word itself will sustain your Christian walk. So this whole time I'm kind of focusing and saying the word is, is really key and important and, and we don't want all these other things to kind of be distractions and get in the way. But there is something called the means of grace. The means of grace, and that is uh, um, the kind of gifts that God has given the church for the life of the church, right? And so the word is that. Word, the, the scripture is a means of grace that God has given us. By that we, can, we know him. We know of him. Even Pastor John was really focusing. I really loved how you laid that out, Pastor, was it's not just this general revelation of looking around to what the world points to who God is, but, or that there is a God, but that scripture itself is the special revelation that he has given us. But see, there's also prayer. Prayer is a means of grace. And how does that fit into the life of the believer when we're talking about the sufficiency of scripture? Praying the Bible. As you're reading, as you're reading Psalms and Proverbs, you're, you're, in, you're already right there praying scripture. You're praying God's word. When we come together as corp in corporate worship on Sunday morning, you hear the word of God being preached and proclaimed. You're singing the word of God. Even this, this afternoon, we're singing the word of God together. When we fellowship together in our small groups, we're studying scripture. We're correcting one another. We're uh, encouraging one another with God's word. And even the ordinances we see in scripture, we've got baptism and the Lord's Supper You see, God's word is a lamp unto our feet. By it, we can see the truth. We can navigate the world. God's word comforts us. And God's word gives us hope. Don't allow these other things to starve, to starve your Christian walk. Look to scripture to inform what you believe and how you are to conduct yourself as young men and women. And getting to studying scripture, I think one of the things that we find, uh, just a couple tips here, and I'll wrap up with this. One, if, if, if you're struggling with studying scripture, if you're studying and trying to figure out a place to start, just like Pastor John said, start in John, that's really good. A couple other uh, points on that, I would say, be intentional. Set aside a time every day that this is the time that I'm going to study. I have to do it. I'm a very routine-based individual. My life is hectic. If I don't do it, I'm, if I don't do it at a certain time, it's going to be a struggle for me the rest of the day because I allow other things to my shame to overcome me, and I think that those items take priority over the
the priority of studying God's word. So be intentional and be consistent. Be consistent. It's going to take time. It's going to take time for you to, as, as you're studying God's word. And at, first, at, at, at the beginning there, it might just be, I've read it. I'm trying to understand it. Now I'm just going to pray. But over time, you're going to see the Holy Spirit's definitely going to be blessing you in the midst of that. And when you have that then, so being intentional, being consistent, be accountable. Be accountable with what it is that you've been learning in God's word. Asking others, so if people are asking, hey, how, how's your time in, in the word? You're being honest with them. When they're asking what it is that you're learning, be honest with them. Because, so listen, there's been times I've studied God's word. I came away thinking, oh, I think God gave me a real nice revelation. And then I went and studied again and had other people. I'm like, oh, no, that's called blasphemy. I definitely, I definitely was starting to believe in something that wasn't right. So be intentional, be consistent, be accountable. Finally, here's a little method that uh, Joey and I kind of came up with. It's called the Ransom Bible Study Method. And it goes, you know, you got R-A-N-S-O-M. First, you want to read a passage. You want to read it over maybe about three times. You want to ask questions of the passage, right? Uh, like I think of like you're talking about the paralytic being lowered down. Right? And Jesus looks at their faith and says, oh, your sins are forgiven. I ask the question, why wouldn't his friends be like, no, Jesus, his legs. He has legs. So why is it then that he's asking, he's saying, why is it that Jesus would say, your sins are forgiven? And who, what, by what right and authority does he have that? Ask yourself some questions. Take notes. Note, note things as it's coming about, as you're reading it. Key words and phrases. Try to summarize the passage that you've just read in your own words. It's going to help you just kind of really get the, the, uh, the thoughts going. If there's a command in there, obey God's word. Obey what it says, what God has called you to. And finally, memorize. What here can I memorize and take with me throughout the day and keep reflecting back on this? Only God's word will sustain God's people. God's word is a, is a it's, just, it's beautiful to me. In my life, I've had a lot of insta, uh, instability. I've had uh, a number of heartaches. I've had uh, just dysfunctional families and, and just pain going throughout. And yet, when I come to scripture, I'm comforted by the word of God. I'm, it's challenging it's encouraging, but ultimately it gives me hope that one day I will be with my Savior and I will bask in his presence where there will be no more pain, suffering, no more heartache, no more dysfunction, but just him and him alone. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just, I praise you, Lord, for your word. I praise you for the gift that it is. I praise you just for for how you have used it in my life and used it in others' life for, for their faith so that they would come to know you and love you and trust in you. So Jesus, I, I ask that by your spirit that we, would, that we would embrace your word more, that you would renew in us a, a love for your word, that we would have this zeal for your word, not just for knowledge, Lord, but that we would read your word, that we'd understand your word, that we'd believe your word, that we would live by your word. 
Pray this all in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, you guys, you guys know the drill, so you got a tweet to share with your friend here, uh, or your friend sitting next to you. What, what is something that just the Lord impressed upon your heart through that 